Thank you, Jesus. Well, we are thankful that you're with us today to be in the, in the presence of God together. Isn't it good to be in His presence? And uh, once again, you, you got the, the battle going on with Pastor John. Is it the worship leader, Pastor John, or the preaching, Pastor John? Because <laughs> I can just go on and worship all afternoon myself, honestly. But I can preach for a long time, too. But we probably don't need to do both all day. Oh, come on. <laughs> Maybe we don't. I don't know. So today, really what we've been sensing, it's interesting that we experience so much of, uh, you know, just the, the activity of the Holy Spirit is, is w- what we're going to do is we want to start a series on just who is the Holy Spirit and what does He do. And so we're going to be focusing in on, on the Holy Spirit and who He is because there's so much confusion uh, about who Holy Spirit is and there's, you know... I'm not sure if it's totally true, but there's probably no one else of the Godhead, of God Himself, you know, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, about whom there's been more confusion and more misrepresentation and, uh, you know, kind of messes sometimes, you know, like spiritual messes uh, because people don't have a foundation. And so... We need, we need the Word and the Spirit. Last, a couple weeks ago, we were talking about Jesus. We went to John 4, uh, if you were here, and we talked about that we worship in spirit and in truth. And those are the two guardrails uh, by which we live life. They're the true, two points of direction uh, because we don't, we, we don't just need the Spirit we don't just need to be moved by the Spirit. We don't just need the spiritual uh, that's going on in our lives. We, we need the foundation of the Word of God. We need the, the boundary that it provides. We need the revelation that it brings uh, to who God is and what it means to follow God and live a life uh, full of the Spirit. Uh, but we don't need to get to the point to where uh, there's only Word and there's no Spirit. You know, either extreme is, is destructive. Uh, we need the Word and the Spirit. And so that's why Jesus said, you're gonna, you need worship is going to be in spirit and in truth. There's a spiritual aspect, but there's, there's a point of truth in it. And so uh, I appreciate uh, those that gave the words today. You know, one of the things we're always doing is when someone's speaking is, is I hope when someone's speaking is you're comparing that to the Word of God. That you're thinking of scriptures. You're thinking of, yeah, does, does, does God... Give us crowns. Okay, yeah, that's in the scriptures there. Uh, is, is he transforming us on the inside? It's just a picture of, of transformation. Uh, yeah, does he, does he take who we are and, and make us unique in who we are in the body of Christ? Yes, he does that. Uh, does he call us to submit to him? Is, is he truly all-powerful? Does he want us to really walk in his power? Well, according to my Bible, he does. And so um, we would say yes to those uh, those prophetic words that were released this morning. 
Um, but we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna dive into the Holy Spirit here, and so you may get half teacher, Pastor John, today, and half preacher. Um, but I need some help here. Um, so if a few of you all could help pass out, if you want notes, I've got I've got notes today. And so if you need a pen too, uh, I think the pens are in the back, and Felicia will get ones. There's a few in front of you. Uh, if you're a note taker, I'm just I'm giving this to you. Uh, if you're not a note taker and you want to make a paper airplane out of it, then um, that's fine. Um, just don't throw it until after service. <laughs> so I want us to start. If you got your Bible, as you're get as you're getting those notes handed, I want you to turn in your Bible to John chapter one. John chapter 1. You know, we were in John 4 a couple weeks ago, but we're going we're gonna to forward to the, more to the start here and catch a couple of things that are kind of an introduction. So John chapter 1. And we're going to start at verse 24. This is not going to be on the screen, Bill. So you'll get a lot to do later on the screen. So uh, be ready in a minute. Give, give, give the booth notes. If they don't have notes, they'll need the notes up there in the sound booth. So Holy Spirit, we invite you to open the word. So I'm going to read John 1 uh, and starting in 24. And this is, this is John the Baptist John the Baptist is the one who came before Jesus to prepare the way for Jesus to come, to prepare the way of the Messiah. Uh, and so let's start in verse 22. He's preaching and ministering. And so the people and the Pharisees come to him and said, uh, finally, they said, who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? And John replied in the words of Isaiah, the prophet, I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way for the Lord. Now the Pharisees who had been sent questioned him, Why then do you baptize if you are not the Messiah, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? And John says, I baptize with water, John replied, but among you stands one you do not know. He is the one who comes after me, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. And we have to go to Matthew and Luke where he finishes that sentence and he says, there's, I baptize with water, but there's someone after me, the one who comes after me will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And so this all happened on the other side of the Jordan where John was baptizing. And the next day, verse 29, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said, a man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. And then John gave this testimony, John the Baptist. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. And I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, 
The man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and testified that this is God's chosen one or God's son. So let's just stop there. So here we have, you know, and if you, in the other accounts of Jesus' baptism in Matthew 3 and Luke 3, uh, you, have, you also have an expression of all of who God is. You have a voice from heaven that speaks. It says, you know, Here, here's my son. You have Jesus in the water being baptized. And you have the Holy Spirit coming down upon Jesus in bodily form like a dove. Now, it seems to be that actually John or only exclusive few people saw this, that maybe everybody didn't see it. Uh, it's not clear from the scriptures whether everybody saw that or did John just see it? it was, just, was this just the identifier for John the Baptist to know? But nonetheless, the Holy Spirit on that moment descends upon Jesus and empowers him for ministry uh, because Jesus did no miracles before the Holy Spirit came upon him. Before he was baptized in water, he was being washed as the perfect Lamb of God, um, not because he was dirty, but that's as he, that was a part of the picture of him being the Lamb of God, um, was, hey, he's walking as the perfect sacrifice. Uh, and then he is empowered by the, the Holy Spirit, and then he begins to do his ministry. Uh, he goes in the wilderness. He's tempted by Satan. He overcomes that. And then he comes back and it says he was empowered again by the Holy Spirit. And then Jesus does everything in his life, getting him to the cross so he can die and give his life as a sacrifice. And then he's raised again on the third day. And then he goes to heaven. It's now sitting in heaven until all enemies are placed under his feet. The victory is his, just as we were singing about. And so that's, that's the good news. And so there's a lot of confusion, though, about who the Holy Spirit is. Because if you've been around, and I even saw this, I saw two pastors who I will not name and who I know both of them, and I'm friends with both of them. Hopefully they're not watching. No. <laughs> you guys watching right now? Um, they're probably preaching. But they actually referred to the Holy Spirit on social media as it. Now, sometimes, you know, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt as like, you know, it's just like a, a typo or a, you know, there, it's just a, sometimes we, we make a mistake, you know, I'm not, but, but there, it's, it's definitely one of my high horses. And so if you, if you learn, you know, if you call Holy Spirit an it, I will come talk to you and say, no, the Holy Spirit is not just a force. He's not just a power. He's not God's power. He's a person. He empowers, but he's not power. He brings the power of God, but he's not, he's not, you know, and I think that's confusion because sometimes people have this idea of Holy Spirit that the Holy Spirit is just, I don't know, who's the Holy Spirit? Just kind of this, this mist, this river, this, you know, there's all these pictures. Is he fire? Is he all this? No, those are expressions and pictures of who and what he is like. What he, his work, what he does. Uh, is he a fire himself? No, he, he's not a fire. He's God. So if you flip over to John 3, and then Jesus is talking to one of the Pharisees, and he makes this statement, John 3 and verse 5, 
And Jesus is talking to Nicodemus, who comes to him at night because he's scared to talk to Jesus during the day because the Pharisees aren't on board with Jesus. Like, we're not sure about this guy. Uh, And so Jesus is talking to him, and he's asking him about being born again and born from above, and Nicodemus is not understanding it. In verse 5, Jesus says, Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at me saying you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. And sometimes I think we're kind of like Nicodemus, you know, where we're kind of like, where he goes, what? (laughs) What did you just say? (laughs) What, What was that, Jesus? And he's like, how can this be, Nicodemus? Ask, what, what, is, what are you talking about? Uh, because here, here is the truth, is we need, we need God to reveal himself to us. We need, we need a spiritual birth to where we can understand who God is. And so when we give our hearts to Jesus, there is a spiritual birth that takes place, and we are birth of the Spirit of God. And so he's the one that births us, that transfers us, that puts us into the family of God and and begins to do the transformation work in us. But we have to understand who He is before we jump to things like the baptism of the Holy Spirit and what that means. Um, The Holy Spirit, yes, is the one who helps us experience God. But He's not just an experience. He's not the experience He's not the wind. He's not the fire. He brings the wind. He brings his effect is that he will do things in your life that will change you and transform you and sometimes even make you look foolish. Probably only if you don't want to in a good way. You know what I'm talking about where you're open to God or you're like, wait a second here. But we also have the other end of the spectrum, of course, where people have blamed all kinds of things on the Holy Spirit, right? Whereas, oh, the Spirit's just moving me right now. Usually those are the, it's doing something, you know, it's, it's stirring up something in me. Like, wait, wait, that's how you know someone doesn't understand the Holy Spirit is when they are speaking a language like he's just a force and not a person. When you, when you begin to get to know him as a person, then you know that he's, he's personal. So we're going we're gonna to look at some scriptures that, that bring out the, the personality, the personhood of the Holy Spirit. And what I mean by that is, you know, in the beginning, in, in uh, Genesis 1 and 26 and 27, I think I mentioned this either last week or the week before, is this. God says this, let us create man in our image. Notice he says us and he says our image. And so the image of God, as we mentioned, this was last week, was male and female. That God's not a man and God's not a woman. God is God. All of of male and female is included in Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And it gets to sound weird. You know, some of you get nervous right now, right? You're like, okay, where's he going with this? Is God a woman? No, God's not a woman. God's not a man. He's God. 
He's spirit. He's spirit. Now, he became a human being. God the Son became a human being. And he was birthed on earth and, became a, and has a body. And now it says forever he has a body. It's a resurrected, glorified body. But Jesus is now sitting in heaven, it says. And so, um, but the creation of who we are, male and female, humanity, is a representation of the image of God. Are we God? Are we going to become God? No. <laughs> we, we're not Mormons. <laughs> and I mean that in all honesty. We're not, we're not, we're not Mormons. They believe that you actually can become God. There's a difference between God and us, and there will forever be a difference between God and us. Because God is uncreated and he's God alone. So let's look at the first reference to the Holy Spirit in Scripture here. So the first reference we have, it's always good in Scripture... Many times it's very important to look at the first mentioning of something in the Bible. Because it tells you something about, about this topic or theme or person. So Genesis 1.1 says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now here's where the Holy Spirit shows up. Now the earth was formless and empty, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And so here's the first mention of the Holy Spirit. And what one of the main things we get from this is the Holy Spirit was involved in the act of creation. That it was not just the Father. And later on in Scripture, we find out that Jesus said was, you know, everything was created by and held together by the word of his power, and so Jesus is involved. So the act of creation is all of who God is, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Three in one, not, not three gods, one God in three persons. Hard to understand, yes, because he's God. Only Jesus, but we don't want to mesh them all together where Oh, Father, Jesus, Holy Spirit are all the same because Scripture clearly defines the distinctions between who God is. And Jesus' baptism is a great picture of that where you have the Father speaking from heaven, you have Jesus on earth, and you have the Holy Spirit descending upon Jesus like a dove. And so the last mention, though, is the Holy Spirit shows up right in the very end of Scripture at Genesis 22 and verse 17. And it says this, The Spirit and the bride, who's the bride? The church, people of God, say, Come, and let the one who hears say, Come. Let the one who is thirsty come, and let the one who wishes take the free gift of the water of life. And so the very first mention we have is the Holy Spirit creating, and the very last mention of the Holy Spirit in Scripture is the Holy Spirit in beckoning and crying out to God to come back. Jesus, come back. Come, O Lord. If you don't want Jesus to come back, you're not in tune with the Holy Spirit. 
you know, growing up, and I'm getting off on a rabbit trail here. My wife is opening her eyes wide. You want to do it too? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Somebody else. It's only the ladies that do this. The guys are like, go for it, man. Uh, <laughs> that's what I feel like anyway. Uh, <laughs> and so, <laughs> what was I going to say? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> Somebody tell me. <laughs> it must have not been that important. Okay. So, you know, when I was young, there was a, you know, it was, you were almost fearful that Jesus was coming back, right? You, we, were, we were, if you grew up in church, I'm 44 years old. Um, and when I grew up, you know, we'd watch these movies and youth group and stuff about Jesus coming back and the tribulation and the Antichrist and all this stuff. And it'd be like, all you were, all you came out from that was freaked out. I mean, let me tell you, or, and you got saved every single time, right? Somebody's like, do you want Jesus in your heart? Well, I want Jesus, Father, Holy Spirit. Anything I need in my heart is, please, just get me. I don't want to be a part of any of that stuff that I just watched on this movie, okay? And so we, we sometimes have this thing where, you know, where we grow up and we're, we're afraid in the church of Jesus coming back. It's like, what if he comes back and I'm doing something bad, you know? And what if Jesus comes back and, you know, back in the day, what if you're in the movie house when Jesus comes back, right? You know, you can't be in the movie house when Jesus comes. You know, we got all these, and, and all this crazy stuff where we're scared of Jesus come back, but the Holy Spirit and the people of God are saying, come, God, come, come. I'm not afraid of you coming, God, because I know I've been changed. I know I've been saved. I know I've been transformed. It's not a day for me to be afraid of God. It's a day for me to celebrate. If you're saved, if you've given your heart to Jesus, if He's your Lord and Savior, then you look forward to that day. You don't need to be afraid of that day. Like, what if God comes back and smacks me around a little bit first? Um, you know, that's, that's, not the, that's not what's in the Word of God. The Word says that you are changed, you're now, you're now seated with Jesus in the heavenly realm somehow, that you've been, cha- you've been brought from darkness unto light, you, you're no longer a slave to sin, you're a slave to righteousness, you're no longer an orphan, you're a child, you're adopted by the King of Kings. You know, when I come home from, from work, my kids rush to greet me, some of them still. <laughs> when they get older, they, they stop doing that, I think, right? Yeah, sorry. <laughs> but just once this week, you know, when your mom comes home? <laughs> okay. Um, but when, my, you know, when your kids are little, especially, when you, when you come home, they're like, yeah, daddy's home. That's, that's how we want to be when, with Jesus coming back. Cause, yeah, you're here. Yes. The spirit and bride say, come. So the Holy Spirit is all over the scripture. He's in the very beginning and the very begin- end and a whole bunch in between. And so now we're going to switch here to a little bit of teacher mode, maybe. Um, And we're going to look at some scriptures because we need to understand if the Holy Spirit is a person, then the word of God will reveal his personhood, his personality, who he is and what he does. 
And you have to think about this as we're going through all these, and I'll make sure to fill in the blanks because I know for some of us, if we don't have the blanks filled in, we, 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 we stop listening, right? We're like, oh my gosh, the blank is blank. Did he, was it this or this? It, was it this or this? So I'm going to be very clear because I'm that type of person too where I'm stuck on point one and you're on point six. I'm like, but what was point one? I have to fill in the blank or I can't go on. Um, so for those of you, I'm here. Some of you are like, I already turned it into a paper airplane. Um, so you can do whatever you want with those, those things. So we want to look at the Holy Spirit. And I have all the scriptures printed out here. Um, so I don't have to turn to every single one of them. Is this. Holy Spirit, person or force or power. And so the Bible is going to tell us this. So Acts 1 and 16. And these are all going to be on the screen, Bill. So they should be in order. And he said, brothers and sisters, the scriptures had to be fulfilled in which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through David concerning Judas, who served as guide for those who arrested Jesus. And you're like, what is that talking about? This is what's so important about this and the other scriptures listed there in Acts is that the Holy Spirit speaks. He speaks. Speaks is your blank. Speaks. He speaks. Only a person speaks. Just a force or a power or a wind or a spiritual whatever whatever, doesn't speak. Look, I like the woo sometimes too. It's fine. As long as it's him. But only a person speaks. If he's just a power, then he doesn't have a voice. But if he has a voice, he has a person. He has something to say. So from those scriptures, number two, 1 Corinthians 2 and 10. These are the things... God has revealed to us by His Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. And we'll read verse 11. For who knows a person's thought, thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. So we have two things here from this scripture. He searches... Your second blank is searches, and he knows the mind of God. He knows the mind of God from these scriptures. So only the Holy Spirit is the one that reveals what is going on in the heart and mind of Father God. So if we want to know what God is up to, we have to be connected and have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. John 14, 26, Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit. You know, the book of John, pause here, the book of John is so amazing because Jesus talks a whole lot about the Father and he talks a whole lot about the Holy Spirit because, well, he's there in the flesh and so he's demonstrating and living who he is, but he comes to reveal God because there was so much confusion in his time about who God was. I mean, the religious people of the time, God shows up and they're not even sure who he is. Can you imagine that? They knew the Bible. They knew the Old Testament. They knew the scriptures. And Jesus said, hey, you know all the scriptures, but the scriptures are pointing to me. And you refuse to come to me to have life. But Jesus, he talked a whole lot about the Father, and he talked a whole lot about the Holy Spirit because he came to reveal God. He was God in the flesh, but he's revealing all of who God is, and 
enlightening us so we can have a relationship with Him because that was the whole point of creation. That's why you were created, to have a relationship with God. In Genesis 1, it says they walked with God in the garden. He talked with them openly and there was, there was no darkness. There was no sin. There was no confusion. There was no suffering. There was no sickness. There was no pain. There was no death. And they just had this relationship with God. And Jesus comes to restore that relationship. Not to get us to be good people. Not to get us to do the right thing. Not to get us even to do miracles and and have signs and wonders flow into our lives. We want all that stuff. But Jesus said, what? You do all the miracles, but if you don't know me, he's going to say, depart from me. I didn't know you. It's Matthew 7, 22. It's a scary scripture. Don't get too scared about it. Get to know Jesus and you'll be secure in who you are. Back to the teacher. John 14, 26. Switching hats, babe, like the thing, right? But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. So he teaches. Only a person can teach someone else. If he's just a force and a power, he's not going to teach anything. It's just all going to be experiential. He brings both. John 14, 16, Jesus all through 14, 15, and 16 talks about the Holy Spirit over and over again. And I will ask the Father, and He will give you another advocate or another counselor to help you and be with you forever. He comes alongside us. So your blank is comes alongside. Because that's what advocate or paraclete, that's actually the word there is, is paracletus. There's that it's one who comes alongside and goes with you through life. One who advocates for you. One who walks with you. So only a person will come alongside you. John 14, then the next verse says, He's the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. So, he dwells among or within believers. Romans 8 and verse 11 says this. Dwells is your blank. He dwells among or within believers. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies. Why? Because of His Spirit who lives in you. So even though when we're a little kid, if you did this when you're a little kid or when you're older, you say, did you ask Jesus into your heart? Jesus is not in your heart. (laughs) Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit's in your heart. He's called the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I have to leave so I can send Him, the Holy Spirit. One of the main reasons was Jesus was in one location. He wanted the presence of God and the ministry of God in all locations. The only way to do that was to leave and then He would send the promise. He would baptize with the Holy Spirit. And so, John in the... Scripture in John 14, Jesus is speaking to the disciples. He said, he's with you and he will be in you because he wasn't in the disciples yet. Because Jesus said, it says later on or earlier in John chapter 7, 
that the Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet been glorified. It's only after Jesus is resurrected from the dead, he's glorified, he's still on earth. This is before Acts 2. And he breathes on his disciples and says, receive the Holy Spirit. And then they receive the Holy Spirit. Now when Jesus leaves and goes to heaven and after 10 days, then they're baptized in the Holy Spirit. So there's a distinction there. But once you're a believer in Jesus, he dwells within you. 1 Corinthians 3.16 says, you all are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So it's not about place anymore. It's about a person, a relationship that you have with a person who dwells in your life, in your spiritual part of your being, your spirit person. 2 Corinthians 3 and verse 6, as we go on. He made us competent as ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. So the Holy Spirit, he gives life. When he comes, one of the things he do is he, he livens you up. But he also gives you the life that is truly life. That we were in spiritual darkness before we received Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And when we receive the Holy Spirit, we are receiving the very life of God that he gives us new life. He changes us on the inside. Galatians 4 and 6 says, because you are his sons or his children, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. He cries out within our hearts. He cry, your blankest cries out, Galatians 4, 6. He cries out within our hearts. You know, a per, you know only a person is going to, be moved to cry out within us. He's not just a force. He's not just a feeling. He's the Spirit of God. John six or John sixteen and thirteen. But when He, the Spirit of Truth, comes, He will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on His own. He will speak only what He hears, and He will tell you what is yet to come. Did I skip a scripture? I feel like, oh, that's the same thing. He is leading us. That's the same one. He, he, oh, excuse me. He leads us. I lost my track. Somebody tell me what blank are. I should have put numbers on there, huh? <laughs> so he leads us. John 16, 13. So the one who is directing my life, who is wanting to lead me, is the Holy Spirit. If he's just a feeling that you get during a worship service, how are you supposed to be led by just an experience? You can only be led by a person that you have a relationship with. You know, you get to know him and then you, you understand what he is saying to you. So he leads you to those places and opportunities and people that you need to minister to or connect with or have pour into your life that he is leading us. Galatians 5.17, for the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you're not to do whatever you want. What we get from this is that he has desires in opposition to the flesh. 
Your blank is has desires. Holy Spirit has desires in opposition to the flesh. And so God has not left us alone that we are not just sinners that are barely saved by grace, that we are saints who have been transferred in the kingdom of God and given the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, in His personhood, in His dwelling in us, and He has a desire. Only a person has desires. See, all this is just bringing out His personhood. All this is showing us from the Scripture that He's not an it. He's not just a force or a feeling. He has desires in opposition to sin in the flesh. Romans 8 and 26 says this, In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And He who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes, He's praying for God's people in accordance with the will of God. There's two things there from the Holy Spirit. Number one is He helps us in our weakness. So your blank is helps us. He helps us in our weaknesses. And He prays on our behalf. He prays or on or in our behalf. Not sure what's grammatically correct there. So either one. Cross it out if you're an English teacher. Um, well, the master's one is not here. So... <laughs> so He helps us and He prays. Here's the amazing thing about the Holy Spirit. If you want to learn how to pray, you have to get to know the Holy Spirit. You know, I remember so many times, I'm sorry I have to repeat this, Mrs. Dorothy being here on Saturday night to pray. Mrs. Dorothy and J.D., we used to pray for, for years and years and years and Brother J.D., was, they were doing it way before I was born. Um, but we would come here every Saturday night, and we'd just pray. And I'd sometimes be amazed because J.D. would pray for a long time. <laughs> and I was young, and it'd be like, you know, we would take time, and we'd, we'd break up, and we're going we're gonna to pray on our own for a while, okay? We're, we're like, you know, we're praying on our own. We're spreading out the room. We're just... Praying in the Spirit, you know, praying in our spiritual language. Uh, we'll talk about that in the weeks to come here. And, you know, we're, we're just praying all this. And then usually it'd take me, you know, probably about seven minutes, you know. <laughs> about seven minutes, I'm like, all right, are we, are we going to come together and pray together or something yet or what? And then JD's usually right over here, second or third row, on his, on his knees that were... Super painful, but on his knees. And he would stay there for a long, long time. And because I had a little bit of intelligence as a pastor, <laughs> barely, we didn't start till J.D. said, let's start to pray together. And sometimes we were there for a long time, huh, Miss Dorothy? Maybe even longer than you wanted, but <laughs> we're not going to go into that. <laughs> but when you get to know the Holy Spirit... You can pray a lot longer. Because thankfully I received an example and an impartation from a man of God and other men and women of God in my life to where I hope now I'm the one that you're waiting on. When are we going to pray together? Because I can pray in the Spirit for a long time. 
I don't get bored. And I'm not bragging on myself. Don't, don't, don't hear that as bragging. Hear that as saying, this is what happens when you get to know the Holy Spirit, is He will teach you to pray. And only a person teach you. And the good news is, guess what? He's praying for you right now. In the Scriptures, it says that Jesus is interceding on our behalf. In Hebrews 9, I believe. Uh, and then it says here that the Holy Spirit is interceding for God's people in accordance with the will of God. So if you're praying for somebody else, you, all you're doing is join. The Holy Spirit is already interceding for that person. And he's doing it in perfection with the will of God. So if you want to pray better, you have to get to know the Holy Spirit. You have to have a relationship with Him. Ephesians 4 and verse 30, last scripture on this section. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Here's your last blank. He can be grieved or hurt. He can be grieved or hurt. And Isaiah says the same thing. You've grieved the Spirit. Um, you know, if, if, if someone is just an impersonal force or a power, they can't experience pain. They can't experience emotion. They can't experience, uh, you know, being sad. Uh, but it says here that the Holy, the Holy Spirit can be sad. He can, he can be grieved. He can be hurt. He can be, he can be, maybe if it's the right word, wounded. Because he's a person, and he has a personality. He's the third person of the Godhead. You know, and one more thing, I just want to close with this. So I hope that that helps you understand this is who he is and some of what he does. That the Holy Spirit is not just an experience. He is not just a feeling. He's, you know, spirit, as Spirit-filled people, we can become religious where we're only experiencing God when we gather as the people of God. And there's nothing more religious in Old Testament than just experiencing God in a worship service. Because that's, you know, if God wanted to keep us in the Old Testament where He'd come to the temple and only there was the presence of God, then He wouldn't have sent Jesus. But when Jesus died, it says the veil of the temple where the presence of God, you know, in one place was torn from top to bottom. In other words, heaven made a decision that changed things on earth. So it was torn from top to bottom, representing now, okay, everyone has access to the presence of God. And how do we have access to the, the presence and personhood of God? Through the Holy Spirit. And so I have to get to know the Holy Spirit if I want to get to know the Father. And it says, too, that the Holy Spirit is always glorifying Jesus. I have to get to know the Holy Spirit if I really want to understand who Jesus is. But I want to go back to the very start where we started this morning is highlight this scripture, too. Romans 5, 5. This is not on the screen. Romans 5. Let me just read 1 through 5. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith 
into this grace in which we now stand. So if you're a believer in Jesus, you now stand in grace, not in sin. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame or disappoint us because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. You know, my wife made a mention at the start of this this service, praying that you would experience the love of God. The way you experience the love of God is the love of God is poured out by Holy Spirit in your life. God, do you really love me? God, do you really love me? Do you know you're loved by Him? The only way that you get to know and experience the love of God is the Holy Spirit pouring out His love into your life. So we have to get to know the Holy Spirit as a person, not just an experience, not just... He brings an experience, absolutely. I mean, if the Godhead had a personality, I mean, this is the sanguine, this is the high eye, this is, this is the person that comes in and says, Woo! I don't know that God has that part of his personality or not, whether he's taken those personality tests or not, but uh, <laughs> probably not. <laughs> he already knows who he is. We only take those because we don't know who we are, right? Um, but my prayer for you as we close is this, that you would experience the love of God through the Holy Spirit in your life, that you'd experience the power of prayer through the Holy Spirit in your life. That you'd experience truth through the spirit of truth in your life. If you, have, you say, man, I'm dealing with all kinds of lies in my head or all around me. Guess what? You need the Holy Spirit. It says he will lead you into all truth. He will lead you into all truth. So go ahead. Let's stand. Let me pray over you. And then we'll invite our leaders. If you need specific prayer, don't, don't go anywhere. We'll have, we'll have prayer time up here available for you. So right now, Lord, we just thank you. We thank you for your presence. And we thank you that you're with us. Just as was, was, in, was reminded of us by, uh, by Tommy through you, Lord, that you said you came, you came in with us. Any child of God has the presence of God, has the person of God himself Holy Spirit dwelling within them, that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so I, I pray, Lord, that you would you'd shake up our temples a little bit. Lord, you'd renew our temple. Our, 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 with, if our heart or our mind has grown dull to the things of God, we pray that you would wake us up. We pray that we would get to know you, God. We pray that we would learn to pray. Teach us to pray, O oh God. Let us... Let us have our spirit and mind and body and soul lined up with who you are and what you're doing within us. Lord, and I pray for any person who has never never received the love of God in their life. Holy Spirit, we just invite you to pour your love out on them. Pour the love of Father God into their hearts that they'll never be the same because once we experience your love, God, we're never the same You can not experience and encounter who God is and the love of God and not be changed. 
And so we thank you for that transformation. Lord, we thank you for where chains and different things that are in our lives, God, they're being transformed into crowns, Lord. And we go from glory to glory, you said. And we thank you for that. We just invite you, we invite you, Lord, to give us an understanding of who you are. Reveal yourself to us, God. We want to know you better, Father. We want to know you better, Jesus. We want to know you better, Holy Spirit. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you were leading us to know Jesus and the Father better. We just thank you, Jesus, that you opened the way for us to have access to God himself by your blood. Help us to take that privilege and use it. All throughout this week, Lord, that we don't just come to a worship service and have interaction with you, God, but we have a relationship with you. We walk with you day in and day out. We hear your voice. We grow closer to you. Lord, we know what you're feeling. We let you share your heart with us. And we can only do that through you, Holy Spirit. So we invite you, Spirit, to, to fill us, not so we can just be full, but so we can know you. So we can know your heart, God, and we can share your heart with other people. We can share the, the, the goodness of who you are. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Leaders, come on up. If you need, if you need to give your heart to Jesus, if, you don't, if you're like, I don't even know what you're talking about, but I know I need Jesus, get on up here and give your heart to Jesus. If you need prayer for healing, if you just need a touch from God, if you need provision in your family or finances, uh, don't go anywhere without getting prayer. And uh, ladies, just remember tonight at 530 and come see uh, Sharon about food there.